welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Kate's a mum's this weekend, so we seem to be taking it in turns just at the moment. Obviously, uh, I was at Ebenezer last week, had a small team of guys there, and uh, we had a good time. I'd been asked to speak on In Christ Jesus, so it's a service, dear, uh, service uh, a message dear to our hearts, isn't it? And uh, I think you forget... Uh, how blessed we are to have that as a foundation uh, in our belief. It's, it's not there in a lot of places, this security that you're completely accepted in God. I mean, sometimes some of us might struggle to believe it, but we've got it. You know, it is a rock and a foundation, and it's one you can come back to again and again. Don't ever leave it, it's the best plan, but we know what we're like. <laughs> Get back on the rock. You are loved. You are his son. Male and female together, we are the sons of God. Male and female together, we are the bride of Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why Paul says there's no male or female in Christ, because we are made one together. Oh, that's not what I'm speaking about, by the way. That's just me uh, waffling on, probably. Anyway, yeah, we had a great time at Ebenezer. One of the things that really really stood out to me, and um, was, we, it, it wasn't actually in the service, which was great, they're lovely people, it was actually in a, pre, uh, a pre-prayer meeting, we, uh, we, Jossie, Hannah and I it was, the, the team, and we just asked, could we go out into a back room and pray beforehand, which is always good to do, anytime, or when you're on a on a trip, you want that time, but for me, that time, what, why do you pray? You don't just ask God a load of stuff. Uh, it, it's it, in our roots anyway, and, and it should be there a lot in our house church, it should be when we meet for all sorts of things, is let's meet with God. Let's meet with God, let's see what he says, let's get his word, let's get his understanding, let's see what he's going to do. Because like Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So we've got to see what the Father is doing. We've got to hear what the Father is doing if we're going to do that. Otherwise, we'll do what we think is best. We'll come up with some good ideas. And uh, basically, in this day and age that we now live, it's not going to cut it anymore. We live in the 21st century where the world is being turned upside down. In politics, in finance, in, in economics, Nobody really knows what's happening, and from a world point of view, all the old securities, all the old foundations, they've been thrown out. For years, people believed in economics that we would go, uh, if, there was a, if there was a downturn in the economy, it was okay, it's going to pick up again at some point. We just need to tweak this and turn this knob and study this graph. I know, I studied economics. It's not working right now. Hasn't worked since about 2008. They won't tell you that that much, but it isn't really working. Politics is, is, is on its head. It's always been, we've always known that politicians are probably not the most honest people around because of the pressures we put them under, to be honest, quite often. But nowadays, it's trendy almost to uh, be a leader who casually brushes off immorality, feels free to lie and deceive 
from all flavors, all parties, everywhere, a, a kind of a sense of integrity. What? What's that word? Don't you feel? This isn't just to have a go at the world. This is to say this is the world we're standing in. And nobody wants to look at a church and see if they've got the answers because they belong to that old times. They belong to that age of reason, really, that grew up from around 1600 for the way people changed their thinking. And everybody believed that reason was the answer. But it seems to be breaking down around the world. And while there's upturn in the church, uh, often in countries like Brazil and China and, other, and other, other nations, in Africa, in the Western world, and let's just pick on Europe, the church has been in steady decline. No matter how we like to put it, there are a lot more lively churches, but overall the number of people that say they believe in Jesus is drastically dropping. In America, which for years has been that oddity of the modern world where so many people still went to church, is going into a strange period where, well, the language is that they are done with it. They've had enough. They don't want to work. It doesn't work. What's the point? How are we going to... How are we going to respond to that? Because I know that all you sitting here, pretty much, some of you may be questioning, and that's fine. Questioning is all part of what we're doing. But we know who Jesus is. We have a relationship with him. And we know. We've seen it work. We saw, uh, we saw that miracle this morning of, of a couple that weren't, thought they would never have a baby. In whatever way that miracle has worked out, there's a baby. Hallelujah. I love those kind of miracles. And, and, and you'll notice when things are happening amongst us now, often it's just normal. We're entering into a period when you'll see healings and miracles and they'll just seem normal. You might not even really hardly notice them. They're going to be normal. That's what we're walking into. But that's not the answer either. People aren't suddenly going to come flocking because of miracles, because they just won't believe them. They'll, they'll, they'll work out another reason, such as it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea, and they went through in shallow water. You know, or when the boy got his oaves and breads out, everybody else out of guilt opened their picnics, and then there was enough. There's always a rational explanation. So what are we going to do? There's a lot of people in our town that just do not know Jesus or realize, as far as we're concerned, <laughs> he's the answer. As far as they're concerned, he's anything but. Reality is, he's always the answer. We've been looking at the sheep who fight back. Our series that was started by Dave, David on the first talk of the new year, and that really fits in the overall arc of the, the whole thing of Jesus being the way the truth, and the life. And actually, I don't think the world is particularly looking for people that say they've got all the answers, because they've had that. People have, there's been enough people who've said they've got all the answers. But they are looking for a family or a community, because it's much bigger than just a couple of parents and a couple of kids. This is a big family. They're looking for a place where they can belong, find value, find meaning, and where people are willing to journey together and explore what it means to be alive in this world and alive and know Jesus. 
There are lots of answers that we have, but we've also got to be honest and say sometimes we just don't have an answer for that. And it comes back to, I'm going to trust God. You with me on that? And you look at what God has done amongst us, and there are such wonderful foundations that God has placed in this amongst us. Some of you are really new to being a Christian, and you're just, you, this is your first ever church. May it be your only church, unless God takes you somewhere else. But, and so you don't know what it's like to be anything like anything else. And I want to pick on a couple of those today, because I was, uh, well, I was, Shona and I were over at Four Mission in Leeds this week, and uh, the, the talks were on a thing called missional leadership. But as we were going through this, I was thinking, there is, uh, and, and that way of thinking is very up-to-date, if you like. But I was thinking, this is something that's been within us for a long time. And we, 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 it, it's like, well, it is like a journey. I want to just read this little bit from uh, Hebrews. If you want to follow, it's in 11.8, but I'm reading the... What's it called? I can't remember. Passion Translation, that's the one. <laughs> so many. Uh, verse 8. Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. That's a really good way to put it. That's what's on us. You know, when I said about, all oh, the children are going for their adventure, but faith is an adventure. It's a discovery. It's a journey. It shouldn't be a surprise. Jesus is the way. He's going to change us on this journey, but he didn't ask us to do this journey alone because the world has got caught up with this incredible myth of individualism, of, of self-fulfillment, uh, and of, you know, you, you can get everything you need by looking for what you need. you see what I mean? In fact, I'm going to show you another video, one that, uh, let me just leave this here. And I haven't put it up on there yet, if uh, you're worried at the back. Here we are, we're going now. Right, I'm up there now, or I will be when it's changed at the back. Yeah, let, let's, let's look at this. this. This is a daft video, okay? Uh, this was, there it is, on the, you can see it's in the midst of the presentation that I did. And this is what happens when we follow this culture of individualism and we add it into church. But that's where church has been. It's about people finding the church that's right for them. And it is just humour. But, uh, well, let's see what you think. Hey. Nick and Molly just moved to the city and can't agree on what they want. They are young and energetic and looking for a new church home. We'll take some personality tests, tour the sites, ask some questions, and based on taste, experience, and location, we'll find them the perfect congregation. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's what that that is where you're going to if you're trying to make your church more and more like attractional and everybody's picking for what they want. You know, and, and it doesn't work. That's where it gets to. In fact, if you're really good, maybe another Sunday, I'll show you more episodes. Don't go looking at them online. Wait for them to come up here. <laughs> There's two more I'd like to show you. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Let me go back to where I was going to do today. Uh, yeah, look at all those, all those things those poor students had to do. Um, and go back to Abraham for a second. 
No, yeah, yeah. Got some genuine video. Sarah comes up in a minute as well. <laughs> Ironically, he is in that about the same age Abraham was when he got the news about Isaac. <laughs> I'll tell you who he is in a minute. He's, a, he's an Anglican bishop. Uh, but um, leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. Why is, what's the familiar? The familiar is because we've just lived in this society, this message of meeting our needs. The destiny that we're walking on and we're journeying together, we're trying to work out how it works, making plenty of mistakes but also plenty of good things. I see some great things happening is when we discover what it is to be family, what it is to be community, and what that means for the neighborhood that we live in. Because we suddenly realize we're not separate. We've still strongly got the message, uh, strongly got the wording, if nothing else, that we will go out on mission. But there, apart from the fact that we're going to leave this building, perhaps, we don't go out on mission. We live every day as a missional person. And the missional leadership course, a, a large function of it was really equipping and, and seeing from all this grouping together of teaching that everybody can be, you won't like this, some of you, a missional leader, because everybody can be an example for others. I'm not talking that everybody's going to lead a church or even a house church or even a group, but if somebody follows you, if somebody learns from you, you're a leader. You might only be a leader of one person, but you're a leader. And God's whole message is about that we're all ready and, and equipped to do that, and he'll do the rest. So... Let's have a little bit else what it says. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going. Abraham stepped out in faith. He lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land as though it belonged to someone else. He journeyed through the land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. That's church. Journeying through a land that actually isn't ours we're guests in a community almost because we are citizens of heaven and we're walking with others and we're persuading them, we're talking to them about together we are co-heirs of, of, of God's promise. Co-heirs of Christ as it says in Ephesians. Now who's this guy? It's quite a long video for what we'd normally show on a Sunday although it's a clip taken from a bigger one and some of it's a little bit dry so I ask you to just really concentrate because I think it's really interesting to hear what he's saying. He's speaking in 1991, so it's a long time ago, uh, and he died in 1998. And some of his books are incredibly prophetic of the time of what happens in the church after he dies. But he's asked to speak here about his experience most of his life, most of his early ministry. He was actually in India. He spent decades in India working with the church in India. And the interviewer here has just asked him what was that was like. Because in his books, he explains when he came back to the UK, and he doesn't say this in this bit, that's why I'm saying it now. When he came back to the UK, what he discovered was that hope had disappeared. That was in 1974. And he predicted that because of this lack of hope, there would be increasing insecurity, fear, and anxiety in people. Okay, so let's have a listen to what he just says 
I don't know what the volume's like. You'll have to fiddle with it a little bit, Dave. I didn't really do these for in here. You can see it was for college because it says formation in the corner instead of kingdom faith. This is just those slides. Let's see what he says himself. Well, for me, coming back from India and settling down in England was in many ways quite a traumatic experience. I found it a much bigger culture shock than I had felt when we went to India. Because in India, the church, with all its faults, and God knows they're very, very serious faults, the church has a confidence in the gospel. Um, people are not ashamed to talk about the gospel to their neighbors. The church grows, not because of great evangelistic efforts, but because ordinary Christians talk to their friends. And, and as the bishop in Madras, I had been going around opening and dedicating new churches all over the place. Uh, and I was accustomed to living in a, in a confident and growing church, even though, of course, it is a small proportion of the whole population of India. Coming back to England, I found an extraordinarily timid church where we were apologizing. Uh, and and, and uh, so, so far from opening up churches, it became a, a main sort of professional occupation of ministers to close down churches. And I found that there was an extraordinary reluctance to talk about the gospel. Uh, early on in my period back in England, I was asked to talk to a group of theological teachers and, and, and postgraduate students. And in the course of my talk, I used the word gospel a number of times. And these chaps looked at me and they said, gospel, what do you mean by gospel? They had, I mean, there was a gospel according to John, a gospel according to Paul, a gospel according to Tillich, a gospel according to Bart, or whatever. But there was no, there was nothing, it seemed, it seemed the sort of, the kind of given reality of what God has done in Jesus Christ didn't seem to be at the foundation of their thinking at all. And I, I, I became convinced that Looking, I had been working for the World Council of Churches, and therefore I'd been accustomed to taking a global view of the whole situation of Christianity. And I, I came to the conviction that really this was the most serious missionary encounter anywhere going on in the world, that while the church is, is growing confidently in so many parts of the world, here in Europe it is so apologetic, so timid, so defensive so deferential in the face of the claims of, of science and uh, secular history and so forth. And so through various, uh, you never plan these things, you know. God leads you in all kinds. You never plan these things. Uh, you are led from point to point by all kinds of so-called accidents. Uh, um, uh, but I was led into a situation where um, I, I was asked to write a little pamphlet for the British Council of Churches, uh, which I called The Other Side of 1984. Uh, and um, this was uh, just an attempt to, to pose the questions that it seems to me the gospel addresses to our Western culture. Well, um, this thing took off and sold a huge number of copies. And so I got a sort of avalanche of, of correspondence from all kinds of people, a great many of them lay people, a um, great many of them lay people who felt that this had opened up uh, a perspective for them. And so I got, one way or another, I got drawn into 
the, the whole business of, of trying to, to articulate the gospel. In other, words, in other words, to look at England as a foreign missionary, um, to, to use the experience of the world mission, the cross-cultural mission of the church, in order to, to address the questions that are involved in tackling modernity. Now, of course, I think in some ways things have moved on because I, I'm more and more aware of the fact that, that modernity is breaking down, that the great enlightenment project of modernity, which looked for the uh, bringing together of the whole human race uh, on the basis of reason, um, of, of, of the advance of science and so forth, that this is now breaking down, that there is a profound skepticism about all the things that the 19th century was so confident about. So in some ways the situation changes, but when I am asked to talk uh, in, uh, with groups of people, unless I am specifically asked for uh, some other subject, I usually try to take the very simple point that the gospel is true, and therefore it is public truth. It is not private opinion, it is public truth, and it, has, it must be part of the great public debate that goes on. The other thing, of course, that I am most often asked to speak about is the question, why Jesus, or why Jesus only? Why not somebody else? Why, why do we have to go on talking about Jesus when there are so many other gurus in the world? I mean, that's the other thing that I get very often asked to talk about. But, as I say, the, my main concern is just this very simple point, um, that the gospel is true, and that we can believe it, that we have grounds for believing it. And that a great deal of what passes for self-evident truth in our culture is nonsense, and that we have to expose it. Okay, so I hope you could manage to concentrate through all that. Why did I play all of that? Because I wanted you to hear this man who is worlds apart from us, let's face it. That, that really refined English accent despite his long time in, in India. Yet when he came back to this nation, he, he felt like he was a missionary because of the change, the move away from God that had happened in the time that he was in India. And also you can, you probably got by the kind of words that he was using, he's obviously an intellectual person. He's obviously a very intelligent person. Uh, I, but I love the way he just says, but the message is the gospel is true and we need to believe it. You know, he asked the question, what is the gospel as well? I mean, that's a good discussion. Ask, your, ask in your house groups or over cups of coffee, well, what is the gospel? We say we believe it. What is the gospel? It means good news. What is the good news? And there's short answers and there's longer answers. But, but, but have a go. But what I, I mean, you're already thinking of many of the things it is. It's not a trick question. I'm not trying to catch anybody out. But it's good to think about it. What is it? And how do we communicate that truth then? And now, this was in the, in the middle of about, uh, well, not about, of eight hours of lectures. Um, that were given to the students. Uh, and, and later in this one, so, and what this is all building up to is about the fact that we 
are not got, it's about not hiding away in church buildings, but living in a community and making Jesus known. That's a lot of what it was about in all those eight hours. But, uh, and then as leaders, trying to enable and equip people to be able to do that. Um, and that's when it really hit me that some, one part of what they were then talking about in this particular section that I was asked to teach on. Um, they say, so if we're going to go, if we're going to be in the community doing what God says, we've got to hear God. We've got to know how to meet with God. It's no good just trying to do something that looks happy. And there's a whole section, uh, we didn't quite get to it uh, in fullness, where you are supposed to do different kinds of worship with the students with the point of view of meeting with God, encountering God. And I thought, well, if there's something from my heritage that's about meeting with God, I, I need to share something. And so I was searching for a video of Pastor Colin teaching on this sort of subject. And I found one that was slightly not what I was looking for, but I realized, wow. And, and, and what happened in this room when we showed this, wasn't it, Shona? It, we, we were both gobs, gobsmacked, not, not so much because of the video, but the effect it had on the students, because they'd never heard this teaching. They were all like, I, well, I need to hear more of this man. It's a short video for Pastor Collins, about five minutes, not, not even that. Uh, of a much longer piece of teaching. It could be faith camp. I'm not even really sure where it is. I'm not even sure when it was. I think it could be late 90s. It might be a little bit later. Um, he's speaking on true worship. And these students were just like, there was like the presence of God came in the room while we were just showing this. And it's, it's a pretty bad 1990s, I think, video in terms of the quality of it. Um, one guy who uh, is in the worship and, and plays keyboard in worship, I think leads in worship, he was like, he'd downloaded the whole talk before we'd finished the session because he wanted to discover it. Another lady was saying, well, I won't say what she was saying. I'll let you actually see what he says himself. So I need to jump forward a few screens here. Uh, you don't want all these ones with lots of text, do you? Although the title's quite good. <laughs> here he is. Looking a bit younger than when you last saw him here. He did go grey when he was in his 50s, so you see that he can't be put off by that and think, oh, it was later. But uh, let's have a listen to what he's got to say. And as I do, I apologise for the quality of some of it in terms of the video quality. If you want to understand how to worship in the Spirit, look at the book of Revelation. So if you turn to the book of Revelation... The first thing we learn, uh, chapter 4, there is the throne, right? And uh, sitting on the throne is the Lord, yes? And around the throne, we read in, in verse 6, there are the four living creatures, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Right, now the first thing you learn is this. They weren't saying, oh, we're so blessed to be here. Oh, it's so wonderful to be in your presence, Lord. Oh, we're so blessed to be the creatures nearest the throne. You see, because they were near the throne, everything focused on the throne. And day and night, they never stopped saying, the nearer you get to the throne, the more difficult it is to stop worshipping. 
You see, some of you think, you know, when I say, well, if sometimes we, pray, we worship for two, three hours, how can that be? If you get near the throne, you can't stop. You see, you hear them, they say, that's right. I mean, you can't stop. How can you stop? Those that are nearest the throne are worshipping all the time. Day and night, they never stop it. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. They're not singing about their feelings, about their experiences or anything. They're just worshipping Him. Is this worship in the Spirit? Okay. Now let's move on then. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> then around the, the creatures are the 24 elders, verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him. Now notice this. You see some of you were saying, hey, hey, what are you saying? Worship and praise are the same. Look at the word of God. They worship him who lives forever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive honor, or to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Notice you see they're beginning to praise God. Hello. Worship in the Bible is praise, and praise is worship. You'll see it again in a minute. Now, can you see, they, they, they have crowns, these elders, but they lay their crowns before him. What's happening? You're going to see that when they worship before the throne, everybody bows. You get to the point where you can't stay on your feet. That's, why, that's when you know you're near the throne. Let me tell you, if the heavenly beings who are perfect have to bow before God when they worship, we surely do. There you go. Praise God. And that, I don't know how that came across to you. Maybe you were just, yes, yeah. But to these students, who came, all of them come from good churches, they're all uh, students who are full of the Spirit, and obviously they're giving up part of their lives to do this degree course, but to them, we've never heard this. And, and, and one of them said, one of, one of the students said, why, do we always, why are we always singing about the devil? She said, we've got so many songs that are about the darkness and the land being terrible, but we're going to, you know, and she said, why don't we do more songs that focus on the Lord? You see, he's not saying you can't ever use songs like the other sort of songs. He's not saying that at all. He's just trying to redirect focus, particularly at the time he was speaking of. But actually, just as relevant now, this, this, the, those songs are like ministry songs. You know, they minister to people. And, and then there's songs like, in the inheritance, really, of like the old hymns of Wesley, because they teach truth. And there's a place for those. But there's also this place where together, the people of God, in a gathering together, you intentionally focus on the throne. You focus on God. You meet with God. You say, well, where does that relate to what you were saying before? Because when you meet with God, that's when you really hear from God. It's, it's, it's a much clearer place to hear from the Lord. 
I mean, you still, you still do the biblical thing and talk to your friends about what, and talk to leadership about what you believe God is saying to you. That is biblical. It is never biblical to say, I've heard this from God, and don't anybody tell me any different. That's not what the Bible tells you to do. That's not, that's not being full of faith. God's told me this, I'm doing it. That's being full of unbelief because you're doing the opposite of what the Bible said. And very often those are the times when people are most deceived. If you're someone that doesn't like to share things with your, your Christian friends and share things with your Christian leaders, this is what I think God is saying. What do you think? You are so open to being misled by, by, by the enemy or even just your own flesh. Because let's face it, there are certain things we desire and then we desire them. Last night I was watching something on the television and I really fancied a root beer. And once I thought of this root beer sitting in the fridge, cold, with a little tap, you know, it was like I missed a few minutes of the program because I really wanted that root beer. You know? And, and my flesh said, you need a root beer right now. You're going to die if you don't get that root beer. See how thirsty you are. You know, it's so easy to be misled and not even really notice. That's just a frivolous example. But what, so what are we talking about? We're talking about a place when we gather that we hear God together. Now, it's important that we, we encounter God in, a, in, in smaller groups when we're together and when we're on our own, we spend time with God. But we do have, a, we do have something that, that that man taught us that came from God, which was about this focusing on the throne. And just before we do that, I want, I want to read um, from Revelation where uh, Pastor Colin was referring to, which was uh, Revelation chapter 4. Um, oh, no, you don't need that one. You can flick that back now. Uh, this, this, this is from the Passion Translation. Uh, I read it and thought, oh, it sounds like a computer game, the way it's written here, the, the language of it. I'll tell you what the NIV says as well, and you can use whichever English you prefer, because they both are translating the, the, uh, the, the Greek. So then suddenly, after I wrote down these messages, he's had these messages uh, that he's, he's sharing with the church, I saw a heavenly portal open before me. And the same trumpet voice I heard speaking with me at the beginning broke the silence and said, ascend into this realm. I want to reveal to you what must happen after this. I like that. I, <laughs> it's it's a, a, a heavenly portal. The NIV just says a door. <laughs> I, you go with what you prefer. You can see why I thought heavenly portal and ascend into this realm. It sounds like a computer role player game. Young Padawan. <laughs> ascend into the heavenly portal and ascend into the heavenly realms. But actually, that's exactly what happens. The, the NIV puts it much more bluntly. I love it when the NIV is just plain English. It quite often, I, I think, misses it, but it just says, come up here. <laughs> ascend into the heavenly realms. It's translated as, come up here. <laughs> uh, this is worship focused on the throne. Now, I come back to that. But it says, instantly I was taken into the spirit realm. That is the goal of our worship. That's why so often you'll hear me say, don't just sit on your chair. Now, there are times when you, you can't stand, physical reasons, and there are times when it's fine. But generally speaking, when you sit on a chair, we are used to watching and not engaging. That's why I say it. 
That, that is, it's as basic as that. It's very easy. And, and, and we're not talking about watching what's going on. We're talking about being fully part of it. You see, in this focused on the throne, instantly I was taken into the spirit realm. Why? Because John is so focused on this time with God. And I saw a heavenly throne set in place and someone seated upon it. His appearance was sparkling like crystal and glowing like a carnelian gemstone. Surrounding the throne was a circle of green light like an emerald rainbow. Encircling the great throne were 24 thrones with elders in glistening white garments seated upon them, each wearing a golden crown of victory. And pulsing from the throne were blinding flashes of light, crashes of thunder and voices. I mean, this is, this is some entering into the spirit realm, isn't it? Do you know that you can have these experiences? You can have experiences like them, different to them. Maybe you've never had anything, but you can have them. Yeah. Around the throne are these creatures, uh, the, the four living creatures. They're absolutely full of eyes, front and behind and at the sides. Why are they full of eyes? Because they're looking in, because the authority of God is in the past, the present, and the future. Because God is outside time. That's what these eyes are representing. And they worship without ceasing, day and night, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Or as it puts it here, who, the was, the is, and the coming. Passion likes to make you think. The was, he, well, we won't go into that. We haven't got time. And the thought, whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to the one who was enthroned and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell face down before the one seated on the throne and they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrendered their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your plan they were created and exist. When we come before God, let's get rid of those crowns. Positions of responsibility, positions of leadership, status, dignity, all those things we are. These guys before the throne, they're some of the most amazing beings in creation, and they're still, they're the elders, and they are bowing before it. And that's another reason I often say, don't just sit on a chair. You can, you can stand in the presence of God because we're the children of God and God welcomes us, us right into his throne room, our dad, our father, uh, our Abba, as it puts it in the Aramaic, and we, uh, and we hug him, but there is also this, oh my God. That's where it really comes from. When you suddenly see who he is and you, you go to your knees and then you're even on your face. It's a, it's a throwing the crown away. It's, I don't care what others think of me doing this. It's a bit stupid. I don't really want my face on the carpet, on the floor. But actually, I'm just, I need you, Lord. Because if we really are going to make a difference as a community, it's got to be a people who are hearing God and we're doing what God is telling us, not what a good idea is. There's been so many good ideas over the past 30, 50 years. The church has been full of good ideas of this and that. We'll do this. We'll try this. How about this? We'll do worship. And, and many of them we're an inheritance of, but still the world is going to hell. So what are we going to do? Worship. 
We need to be constantly encountering God, spending time with God so that we can be the people he's called us to be. And it's not something that's weird in the sense of it's something that's foundational to who we are. That's why I played that, that video. Really old video, but he would still teach it like that. It's still his passion, is, is God encounter. And it, it, he isn't talking about only in church when you're together. He's talking about when he's on his own as well. Like John is actually in this point. But that's the point of gathering. It's to encourage one another, as it says also in Hebrews. To lift one another up. And to remind one another, you're fine to do this. Now, I also said it was a journey, so you step into this journey where you're at... So if your journey, Martin will tell you about his journey. Sorry to pick on you, Martin. It took him ages to get into this idea of worshipping. You found it really, really awkward, didn't you? I mean, it wasn't my job in those early days to walk up to him, and he's bigger than me and stronger than me, and so I wouldn't anyway because I'm scared, but, and slap him round the face and say, Worship, Martin! Pack it in! <laughs> and you. Stop hiding behind that guitar. Worship the Lord. You know? <laughs> that's not my job because actually Martin was on a journey into a greater, greater and still is and so am I into a, a place where they were more and more free being free isn't necessarily dancing around it's just being free to worship without being worried about what others think and this is a good place to do that because it's a safe place I can't guarantee everybody in the room because I can't quite read everybody's mind right now, but the vast majority of this room will not think you're daft for dancing or lying on the floor or putting your arms in the air or singing in tongues or prophesying. They will be really pleased that you are moving in the things that God has given us. Amen? So let's have the worship team forward and let's focus on the throne. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then we'll continue more on Thursday, just focused on the throne. On Thursday night, a God encounter. So, oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, if there's anything within you right now that is stopping you going before God, just deal with God with it. Because he paid for everything. It's, it's, your sin does not stop you getting before God. You can just be forgiven. Your unforgiveness of others, let it go. Hallelujah. Just, just wash all that away. Let, the, let, well, let Jesus wash it away in his blood. Because you are a son of God. And the wonderful privilege that we have is we can go right before the throne room. Into the throne and see the Father on the throne, to see Jesus in his glory, to be filled with the Spirit there in the presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are actually sat in heavenly places right now. Hallelujah, because of what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. Let's, let's worship. Let's worship him. 
Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.